Hey, what's going on there, Warrior? Jeff here from Warrior Life, and welcome to podcast episode number 466. So if you're following any kind of prepping path at all, I'm sure at some point you've heard of the need to develop a survival mindset. And I know that term has a lot of different meanings attached to it, and all of them basically come down to the principles of never give up and do whatever it takes to stay alive. But have you ever really thought about exactly what that means? Because the survival mindset has a second factor to it that's actually a lot harder to process, and for most people, it's also a lot harder to develop. I'm talking about your combat mindset. And in this week's episode, I'm going to explain to you what that is, why you need it, and also share some tips on how to develop it, even if you don't consider yourself to be an aggressive person or someone who even wants to think about combat in any way, shape, or form. And don't worry about taking notes because we've done all the work for you with this week's handy one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points from today's show. You can download it along with all of our other cheat sheets absolutely free from inside the Loot Locker section of our Warrior Life Academy. All you have to do is head on over to warriorlife.com loot and we'll give you the secret handshake you can get inside there. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training. Urban survival. Close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Hey, what's up there, Warrior? Jeff Anderson here, founder and executive director of Warrior Life and the Warrior Life Academy. So I'm going to start this week's show off by saying that I recognize that the information that I'm going to be sharing today can be very controversial to some people, and, and it may even upset a few of you because I'm going to ask you to question yourself. I'm going to ask you to question your beliefs. I'm going to ask you to question what you think is true and question how you're preparing yourself for extreme survival scenarios. So for most people out there who are doing whatever they can to be better prepared, I'm, I'm sure you're at least aware of the basic categories that you should be focusing in on. So we're talking about things like Shelter, food, water, security, right? Like those are the basic four. Now, at more advanced levels, you can add things like medical skills and communications, which I, I do think is like critical, but they are a little bit past the basic skills that you need in order to, to be alive, right? Medical skills, are, that's all arguable. Um, but it's the security area that I want to talk about today because for most prepping-minded people, that pretty much comes down to things like weapons and knowing how to use them. And frankly, that's the easy part. Like, everyone likes to convince themselves that they need the latest whiz-bang battle rifle, they need tons of ammo, and all the Gucci gear that goes along with it. And from what I've seen, just buying that stuff checks the box for most people because there's just this natural assumption that if you own it, you'll be able to use it, right? In fact, you may have even gone the extra mile. You might take your guns down to the range every now and then, or you might sign up for some hoo-ha weekend tactical shooting course where you can jump over the hood of a car and blast away at some static targets that are down there in front of the, the dirt berms on the range. And I'm not here to tell you that those things don't help with you being able to be your own security force during some sort of an extreme survival situation. I mean, we all know that the first rule of a gunfight is to actually have a gun, right? But owning a gun, training with a gun, even drawing your gun against a real threat is not the same thing as being able to pull the trigger. 
So that's why this week, what I want to talk about is your combat mindset. Now, this is not the same thing as your survival mindset. And I want to start off by being very clear right off the bat here. I am probably one of the least aggressively minded individuals you will ever meet. I mean, I was, I was the kid growing up. I would you know, save spiders in the house. I would capture them and bring them all outside. Like I didn't like taking any life whatsoever. Now, I took martial arts when I was a kid and I learned how to defend myself. But I also learned how to control myself. And I realized that the ability to hurt another person also came with a responsibility to only use that ability when it was absolutely necessary and to avoid trouble whenever it was possible. Throw in a little bit of a Spider-Man little quote there. But what I later discovered when I was in combat in the Army was that I grew up with this luxury of living in an environment that afforded me those options. So I didn't have to fight to get what I needed. I didn't grow up in like in an urban area that was you know, low income, high crime. That wasn't me. I grew up in a little small town in upstate New York where people were kind. They were friendly. And pretty much everybody had everything that they needed, including the rule of law. We had guardrails to keep us all on the right path. And frankly, I mean, just good old small town values where people help one another. They don't, they don't look at other people as opportunities to take from other people. But I've also seen the realities of another world that I have to say I, I wasn't as well prepared for as I thought I was. I mean, I've told a few stories on the podcast and, and in our Warrior Life Academy workshops of some of my experiences in combat. And, and not for bragging rights, but really for the purposes of sharing what it's really like to operate in an environment where food and water aren't the only threats that you need to think about. I'm talking about the people threat. And and by the way, I, I don't mean dealing with a clear-cut enemy that's out there that's e easily recognizable as an opposing force. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about everyone around you, everyone around you. And what happens to everyday folks when they're trapped in an environment where access to regular life-sustaining resources like food and water get shut off and there's no police presence around to maintain any level of law and order that's going to hold people accountable for their actions. So for the people that I came into contact with, and these were mostly in urban areas, these were really just like neighborhoods of nice, friendly folks, pretty much just like you and me. But the conditions of the situation literally changed their demeanor. It forced them to question their values and, and how they dealt with each other how they dealt with other people around them, just so they could simply survive. Now, this isn't some new principle that we've never faced before in our history. I mean, even the early pioneers of our country who had to face the very real challenges of living in environments with very few resources, they had to contend with human threats. I mean, it wasn't like there was just a cop car right around the corner that was just a 911 call away. They had bandits that they had to deal with. They had Indians who weren't like the friendly type that we see in like the Thanksgiving dinner photos. There were even government soldiers who were known to take over homes and confiscate supplies and pretty much just take whatever they wanted, including the women of the household. Like these were very real threats that early people had to deal with. And the fact is, in a world without rules and consequences that are going to keep people in check, some really bad things can happen to you. And you have to be prepared 
to deal with them. And as with all of the skills that you develop for survival, it all begins with your mind. And I'm sorry to say that if, if you want to avoid bad things happening to you in a world without rule of law and where resources are scarce and it's every man, woman, and child for themselves, developing any level of combat mindset now, while you can, I'm afraid it's something that I consider to be a necessity. Now, you have to be mentally prepared to operate on that level, and you need to be able to respond appropriately to any threat that may rise, especially if you've never had to fight for anything else in your life before. So what I want to do is I wanted to share with you seven ways that you can begin to develop a combat mindset without having to turn into some knuckle-dragging goon who's out there poking kittens with a fork. All right, so, so take, these, take these seven lessons really to, to heart here, okay? And the first lesson that you have to learn is that good people can do bad things. Look, anyone can be a threat under the right circumstances. I don't care if it was Mother Teresa. Even your neighbors and those nice, friendly townsfolk, they can all turn to violence when the services and infrastructure that they take for granted are no longer available. I've seen this here in Florida since I moved here, especially when it's hurricane season and something's heading our way. People get out to the gas stations and like... They, you'd think that the state would get it, right? You'd think that they would, but no, people are just, they're hogging up gas and people get upset. They get irate that people are taking all the fuel, even when it might not be true. Like they're, but it doesn't matter. Like common sense just goes out the window. I think a really good example of this is, is a story that, that I like to talk about um, with the poop cruise. Yes, the poop cruise. So some of you may remember this. Um, in 2013, Carnival Cruise Line had a ship that was hobbled by an engine fire that it left it pretty much lifeless, about 150 miles off the coast of Mexico. And there were a little bit over 4,000 passengers that were, that were on board, and they had no power. There was no air conditioning. There were no working ovens. Refrigerators weren't working. And there were very few functioning toilets. So people ended up sleeping on deck, because their rooms were too hot, um, they slept in the hallways, and they had to relieve themselves literally in plastic bags. And there were these bio bags in all of the ship's hallways, literally filled with raw sewage. And a lot of the food on board spoiled without refrigeration. And so fistfights broke out among the passengers whenever food was passed out. Now, mind you, this started out as a pleasure cruise. So... <laughs> It's, I think it's a good lesson in how the conditions of your environment can force people to tap into a very primitive instinct that we all have to survive. And when people are tired and they're hungry and they're uncomfortable and they're angry, it doesn't take much at all for that person to snap and turn into someone that even they wouldn't recognize. Which brings me to the second factor in developing a combat mindset, which is to recognize that you may have to do some bad things. So let me ask you this. Would you steal to provide food for your children or your grandchildren? And how violent would you become to protect your spouse from rape or death? Now, I know these are hard questions to ponder, or well, I guess maybe they're not hard questions to ponder because, I mean, who wouldn't steal or hurt someone else if it meant keeping your family safe and alive, right? But these are scenarios that 
you really need to think about now, no matter how difficult it may be. So that the first time that you're in a situation where you have to deal with a situation like that, where you're, you have to draw your personal line in the sand, where you have to figure out what your trigger is for you to be able to take action. That time is not when you've just been ambushed by a desperate local or a gang who wants the things that you have. Now is the time for you to really consider those things and understand where your line in the sand is. All right. Now, the third combat mindset factor is learning how to walk softly, but carry the biggest can of whoop ass that you can ever get your hands on with you. Now, knowing that you might have to use violence to combat violence, that takes things get a whole lot easier when you understand that you have the means to be able to keep yourself and your family safe. You have to be able to carry out your wish. It's not just going to like land in your lap magically there. Now, just as it is with every threat of physical force, of uh, physical force, your best weapon is going to be avoidance. Avoid conflict by any means possible that you can. But you and I both know that you're not always in control of that factor, right? I mean, besides, I mean, your best defense may simply come down to just going unnoticed as much as possible in your area. So, I mean, that's what camouflage is for in the military. You don't want to be noticed. So your best bet there is going to be to try and just lay low. And for all of you tactical zombie warriors that are out there, um, that means not going around sporting your AR-15 and all your, your camouflage bug out bag so that everyone around you sees how smart you are and how prepared you are. That's just going to make you a target. But you do always have to remain at the ready. doesn't matter. Like no matter how remote you think you're living or how under the radar you think you are, you do have to always be at the ready. You can't let your guard down. Now, your best bet in these situations is to blend in as much as possible and carry a concealed handgun with you. Right? I know everybody wants to break out the AR-15s and everything, but you want to keep that, that firearm as concealed as possible. That way you're armed to be able to take it, take, you know, face violence if you have to, take lethal force if you need to, but you're not making it obvious to everyone around you that you are armed, so you end up making yourself a target, all right? Okay, the fourth factor is to be prepared to change course and take fast, decisive action when you're around any conditions where violence can spring up at any moment. Now, this really means you developing a keen sense of making your own decisions about your safety. So just because the authorities tell you to stay put or, or move to a certain location doesn't mean that you should. I mean, even in combat, where we had very detailed operations orders for before all the missions that we went out on there. But every soldier learns that you have to read the battlefield. You have to be prepared to take a different path than what you may have been told or what you may have even planned for or trained for. Now, you do have to take all of those forms of intel into consideration, right? Otherwise, you can end up screwing up other people's plans, maybe somebody that's in your team or somebody in your family. So you have to take into account all of those different things. But all that planning comes ahead of time as much as possible. But you've got to be able to challenge authority. You have to be able to make those decisions on the spur of the moment based upon the intel that you're getting right there in your face. Now, I know you get a lot of this stuff conceptually, but people in the Twin Towers in New York on September 11th, 
they were, a lot of them were told to stay at their desks for their own safety. And victims of Hurricane Katrina, like I know, I mean, Hurricane Katrina, always, I mean, I know people are kind of tired of using it as a survival example, but it is an incredible survival example. Because people that weren't prepared, they were sent to the Superdome to be taken care of by the government. And those that were there experienced all kinds of horrors while they were there. So anywhere that there are groups of people that are in crisis, there are going to be wolves among the sheep. And they are going to be, they're going to be your potential for danger. So you have to develop a sixth sense for that danger. And you have to trust your gut when it's telling you that you're in danger. But the biggest challenge with that is actually listening to your gut. It's, it's taking fast, decisive action when your spidey senses are tingling. Right? You've got to trust when you're, we have this primitive instinct inside of us that's meant to keep us alive. It's hardwired into our brains. It's hardwired into our system. It's there to keep you alive, to keep you protected. So when you start to get that feeling, trust it. It's telling you something that's, that's really, it's, it goes back to like, you know, cave days. So trust it. It'll keep you alive. All right, the fifth factor is to go out there and take a tactical firearms course. If you are into firearms, if you do have the ability to take a training course, if you own a firearm, and yes, I know that I poo-pooed the weekend tactical course at the very beginning of the show, but really there is no substitute for actual experience. You've got to get out there and experience some level of adrenaline when it comes to physical force. Talk is cheap, and I've heard a lot of gun guys talk up a really good game about what they would do if they were ever faced with a threat. And I'm here to tell you right now, you don't know. You don't know. I know you think you know, but I've talked about this before that I've seen some of the hardest charging soldiers out there freeze in combat when it came time to actually pulling the trigger, even when there were bullets being fired back at them. So you may talk big about how you'll never let anyone touch you or your family. But the truth is most people really don't know how they'll respond under stress. Now, a local tactical firearms course can, <laughs> I say that in air quotes, it can provide you with a realistic adrenaline rush that may, more air quotes there, help desensitize you to freezing up when you really need, you really need to have your combat wits about you, right? But honestly, unless it's a force-on-force -force training situation that you can get out there, and these are really hard to come by, but if you can find one where you are, you're facing a live person trying to put holes in you with, with simunition uh, bullets or you know, anything that is going to sting, anything that's going to hurt, anything that's going to tell you something other than pow, pow, I shot you, no, I shot you first, <laughs> going back to the schoolyard, like, no, try and find something where... You really have a, an, an aggressive training attacker who is trying to make a victim out of you and that you have to fight against, especially if it's close quarters. Somebody maybe that's like trying to make you turn you into a human pincushion with a knife, right? You've got to be able to train at that level for you to really understand what those dynamics are against a live person because going up against that static target, that's not going to do it. That's not the same thing. One of the things that Kyle Lamb, um, who was a um, uh, legendary kind of you know master sergeant and uh, command command sergeant, I don't know if it was command sergeant major, but uh, sergeant major uh, special forces. Um, one of the things he told me years ago um, was that 
he got involved with competitive shooting. And for him, he said that competition gave him even more of an adrenaline rush than a real firefight did. Now, that comes from probably being in a lot of firefights, but it makes sense too, because people don't like to be in front of other people. They don't like to be judged. They don't want to look like a fool. They don't want to look like a loser. And all of those things come up when you're in competition. You don't want to be made fun of. You want to be like the, the macho guy out there, right? Well, like that's going to come into question. You're going to question yourself out there and it's going to make your hands, it's going to make your hands tingle. It's going to make them jiggle. You're not going to be as accurate as you are. You're going to be running from station to station. You got to have a lot of different factors there. Another thing that I've suggested to tell, I've, I've told people to do is to go get your ass kicked out on the paintball field. In fact, go back and listen to, I looked it up before here, um, podcast episode number 64, the old days here. And I talk about some of the things that um, I learned from the paintball field, getting out there. Um, there's a lot that you can learn from things like that. I know it's, you know, it's still play, it's fun, um, but those things hurt when they hit you. And uh, there's a lot you can get there. So go check out episode 64 also. All right, the sixth factor that's going to help you develop a combat mindset, especially in light of some of the stuff that we were just talking about, is to go hunting. Now, I, I realize that many of you that are listening right now, you already do that. You're already avid hunters. Me, I was never much of a hunter. I mean, I used to go out with my stepfather like every Thanksgiving once a year. On Thanksgiving, we would go out there, trudge through the snow. I had my little my Daisy Red Rider BB gun with me. And um, we never saw a thing, never shot around, like just never. So never actually experienced the hunt. To me, it was just like walking in the woods. But I knew that it was something that, um, and again, I'm the, I'm the guy that saves spiders, right? So I don't like killing anything. I don't like taking any life whatsoever, um, especially when it's somebody that's not firing back at me. It's somebody like a deer. But frankly, I forced myself to go deer hunting with a buddy of mine, uh, an old army buddy of mine a few years back, um, just so I could expose myself to the taking of an animal's life. I mean, shooting it wasn't, that, like that wasn't something I was worried about. I know how to, I know how to shoot a rifle. Um, but taking the life was something that was a mental hurdle I had to get over even after coming out of combat. Um, but I also wanted to learn how to dress it, um, just for survival purposes. I wanted to be able to provide for my family if I, if I needed to go out there and go hunting. Now, having been in combat, I can tell you that if you're not the type of person who can get over the mental hurdle of shooting an, an animal, I'm not sure what makes you think you're going to be able to take the life of a human being if you're absolutely, you know, even if you're absolutely forced to. So I know you may think that they're two different things. And I mean, they are two different things, but the bottom line here is that it is a mental hurdle that you'll have to experience um, in getting over. And it's definitely better to learn on a deer first, trust me. All right. All right. And, and finally here, the seventh factor here in your development of a combat mindset I'm actually going to do a virtual 180 on you here because you can't just become some pre-programmed robo-warrior ready to take on the world with your machete and a, and a 50 caliber Gatling gun strapped to the top of your, of your minivan. <laughs> like, I, I know we've been talking all about the lengths that you may have to go to and the wrong things that you might have to do if you want to survive. However, I do believe that even in a total collapse of our infrastructure, right, the rule of law is going to find some way to come back around. And you might just have to pay for any of those transgressions that you may have had to carry out. 
And that may not even be some like official rule of law. It could even be vigilante justice out there that comes back to haunt you. I remember reading the book um, that the movie Deliverance was based on. If you've never seen Deliverance, I think everybody's probably seen Deliverance by now, but it was an old action film from the 70s that Burt Reynolds was in. And um, they were out, it was, he and a group of guys were out whitewater rafting in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I don't remember what, what state it was, but it was basically like hillbilly country, right? And a group of, of, a group of men out there just set upon them, just victimized them. So spoiler alert here, they ended up you know, killing the hill people out there in self-defense. But the main character of the book spends the rest of his life worrying that the authorities are going to show up and charge him with murder. Now, think about what you, that would feel like for you. So you survive an emergency or even an all-out collapse only to spend years wondering if the authorities are going to catch up to you and put you in prison for what you did to stay alive. Ask anybody that's probably had to take a life in even in self-defense, right? So keep that in mind when you're making these moral choices and when you're working your way through your survival and your combat mindsets. Whatever you do to survive is something that's going to help you live. But then you're going to have to live with it for the rest of your life. All right? And on that note, it's time to hear from you. So please do me a favor. Um, I want you to share your own experiences and thoughts on this topic wherever you are getting your podcast fixed from. I know we have a lot of soldiers that listen to our podcast. I know we have a lot of military contractors. I know we have um, a lot of people in the first responder community, police officers also. Like, I want to find out from you, what are the things that you've had to really learn as lessons that have helped you develop this mindset where you know? Like, what were the, what were the things that maybe even that you thought you knew that maybe turned out to be a little bit wrong? Whatever it is, you can go ahead and leave a comment on one of our social media channels that you might be watching or listening to, um, or just head on over to our blog at warriorlifepodcast.com. That'll take you over to our podcast section on warriorlife.com. But I would love to hear from you, all right? And until our next show, live like a warrior. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.